Yeah. Yeah. Hey yo, man, it's your time. And fuck poverty. This money, man. But what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Philip and Leroy Judgmental Podcast. I'm Leroy. Uh, no Philip today, but I got the, we got our uh, pinch hitter. Would you call it? Yeah, that's a perfect. <laughs> that's a perfect title. <laughs> Jay, Jay, what's going on, Jay? Uh, hunkering down for this snowstorm that's about to hit. Yeah, it's snowing here already. Is it snowing uh, over there? Not yet. They said it's supposed to hit in a couple hours, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm just waiting around for it. So what are you planning to do? Absolutely nothing. I'm gonna I'm enjoy it by staying in and watching it fall. I got all my groceries. My car is parked in the right spot. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to start off uh, <clears throat> last episode. Uh, okay, on the last episode, the Mega Mafia's mega mafia on a rampage that's it we we mentioned how when you dealing with with people like that or just a large group of people in general nine times out of ten if somebody's already an undercover mm-hmm. cop or they're going to tell so we have here proud boys leader henry enrique Taro. A Latino, a member of a, a white supremacist group, so you can marinate marinate on that if you want to. <laughs> so we have uh, Proud Boys Henry Enrique Taro is an undercover cop. No, he's a, a gave great information to the FBI. Mm-hmm. Here's a, a little quick video. Enrique Taro is the leader of the extremist group, the Proud Boys. He also has a quote prolific past as an informer for federal and local law enforcement, repeatedly working undercover for investigators after he was arrested in 2012. That's according to a former prosecutor and a transcript of a 2014 federal court proceeding obtained by Reuters. In a hearing in Miami, a federal prosecutor, an FBI agent, and Tario's own lawyer described his undercover work, saying he had helped authorities prosecute more than a dozen people in various cases involving drugs, gambling and human smuggling. Tario's lawyer said in court that his client was a, quote, prolific cooperator. In an interview with Reuters Tuesday, Tario denied working undercover or cooperating in cases against others. Quote, I don't know any of this, he said when asked about the transcript, adding, quote, I don't recall any of this. <laughs> smart, smart answer. Script contradict Tario's denial. The 36-year-old is a high-profile figure who organizes and leads the right-wing Proud Boys in their confrontations with those they believe to be Antifa. In many pictures, members of the Proud Boys, clad in their signature yellow outfits, can often be seen flashing the white power sign. Washington police arrested Tario in early January when he arrived in the city two days before the Capitol Hill riot. He was charged with possessing two high-capacity rifle magazines and burning a Black Lives Matter banner during a December demonstration by supporters of former President Donald Trump. The D.C. Superior Court ordered him to leave the city pending a court date in June. Though Tario did not take part in the Capitol insurrection, at least five Proud Boys members have been charged in the riot. The former federal prosecutor in Tario's case, Vanessa Singh Johannes, said she was surprised that the defendant she prosecuted for fraud is now a key player in the violent movement that sought to halt the certification of President Joe Biden. Quote, I knew that he was a fraudster, she said, but, quote, had no reason to know that he was also a domestic terrorist. Please. Uh, Right. For our young people here, never be involved in with a whole bunch, a whole bunch of people, because nine times out of 10, they were already telling or they're going to tell on you. There's always one. There's always one or two. Always. Yep. Always keep your circle short. I say between three to five people. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe five may be a little bit too much, but mm-hmm. always keep your short circle short because uh, you're dealing with a whole bunch of people and they'll pile around with you, drink beer with you, and tell everything you do. Or they already probably already uh, cops anyway. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is uh, some people get positions for a reason. Why is this young guy 
like this. First of all, he's he's Latino. He's straight Latino. I mean, there's nothing <laughs> nothing white looking about the guy. Why is he head of a white supremacist group? Like, well, we all know they they don't have that high of an IQ based off right. of what happened. So, hey. exactly. Uh huh. So, uh, I just wanted to start off on that because we mentioned about the uh, talking uh, last episode. Mm-hmm. So the f- first thing, well, it's not the first thing, but another article I want to talk about is uh, uh, what's the man's name? Uh, I'm all over the place today. You got a lot though. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Patrick Warren. Uh, Patrick Warren from Colleen, Texas. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Colleen police officer Ronaldo Contreras a five-year department veteran who shot and killed a man with mental health issues as the man ignored his repeated commands to lie down and instead continued to advance towards him. He can be heard on video from his body camera telling another officer after the shooting, I had no choice, man. Damn it. Later, the body camera recorded Contreras saying the Lord's player as a morally wounded man loaded into an ambulance. Contreras shot Patrick Warren, senior, 52, after responding around 5.40 p.m. on January the 10th at, at a home on the 1600 block of Carlton Avenue. Uh, here's two videos. I'm going to play the uh, the news clipping, which is pretty much what I just said here. And another other video I'm going to play with the family talking about the issue uh, situation. Give a guess who, what lawyer they picked. Do you know who the lawyer they have? We all know who he is. I don't even got to say his name. If, if it's not Crump, <laughs> if it's not Crump, it's the other one. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the uh, here's the video. As we update you on the tragic story of a 52-year-old man from Texas fatally shot by police, Patrick Warren's family is speaking out for the first time about their call for help that turned deadly, and now they want the officer to be fired and charged. A ring doorbell camera captures the chaos and soon a family's heartache when a Colleen, Texas police officer called to the home, first used his stun device and then shot 52-year-old Patrick Warren Sr., who family members said was in a mental crisis. My father, you know, he was outside and uh, he was praising to the sky. You know, he was, he was saying different things like hallelujah, but he was super loud. We couldn't get him inside and we're like, okay, something's going on. We need to alert somebody. Family members tell ABC News after they called the city's mental health hotline, a lone police officer, now identified as Ronaldo Contreras, arrived at the scene. We had no idea they were sending out a police officer. In the video, you can see Contreras walk into the house. Moments later, he comes back out. Then Warren comes out of his home, walks towards the officer, waving his arms in the air. He appears unarmed. You can hear family members urging police not to shoot. Family and friends come into view as Warren and the officer are moving away from the house. This shaky cell phone video captures what happens next. The sounds of the stun device followed by gunshots. The officer shot Warren three times as his mother, wife, and sons watch from the porch. This is one of the worst police officer-involved shootings that I've ever seen. The family's attorney says the situation last Sunday should not have ended this way. He showed up alone. He showed up untrained. He showed up hostile. All those things made for a deadly sort of cocktail, and this, this result could have completely been avoided. The department says Officer Contreras, a five-year veteran, has been placed on administrative leave pending the results of the investigation. I try to think of things to just keep busy so I don't focus on that it's hard to grieve when there's still an officer walking the streets that, that killed my father. And local and state law enforcement officials in Texas tell ABC News the investigation is ongoing. According to the family's attorney, they are asking for that body camera footage to be released from the shooting. We are told the footage will not be released as evidence until it's been turned over to the Bell County DA and the prosecutor's office. Well, hey there. Now, here's a video with the family mm-hmm. coming. 
We turn now to a case out of Texas where a call for help to police turned deadly. The family of 52-year-old Patrick Warren called police after they say that he was having some sort of mental health episode. Patrick is seen in this video walking out to the officer with his arms up. Then moments later, you hear gunshots. It's not completely clear what happened based on this video alone, but joining us now are two people who can help provide us with some of the details to explain. The son of Patrick Warren, Patrick Warren Jr., along with family attorney Lee Merritt, uh, our thanks to both of you, Patrick. Want to express our condolences for the loss of your father. Can you just kind of give us a sense of exactly what happened that day? My dad, he started praising God very loudly in the house, letting us know that, hey, I'm in spiritual warfare, and he kept praising God. Uh, eventually, he started getting so loud while he was praising. Um, I stepped in to tell him, hey, dad, calm down, something's going on. He let me know it was spiritual and that he needed to praise God because the evil one was coming. <clears throat> Once he started talking like that, I was like, hey, something's going on. Let's reach out to a mental health uh, resource officer that we had spoken to previously. We sent, we called for them to actually come out to the house. Um, they never let us know that that dispatch, uh, that that particular resource officer was no longer available for that day or that he wouldn't be coming out or a resource officer altogether wouldn't be coming out. And so we were surprised when a police officer showed up to the house. Uh, once he showed up to the house, I met him at the door. I told him to come in. Uh, I let him know that my father was going through something and please no firearms. He spoke to my, he was speaking to my father through the hallway uh, and my father was inviting, but the officer, he seemed a little hostile. So he asked him to get off the property. Um, let us know that he didn't have time for it. He doesn't do things like this and slammed the door and went back outside. Uh, from that point, uh, we heard a knock at the door. So my father, after dealing with someone that was hostile, he wanted to actually open the door. So he opened the door. And when he opened the door, we saw an infrared beam on the door, mm. uh, which we concerned because I'm sitting in the front. Uh, I'm holding a six-month-old, and I have my brother in the front as well. Uh, so we're concerned. So we all kind of run to the, you know, set this little one down. We run to the door. My mom is now running to the door and our family friends were all running here. And um, that's kind of what you see transpire on, on the tape. You'll see that at infrared beam out, he tased my father. And at the point of tasing my father, we were trying to see why things were escalating so fast. So we're yelling, we're screaming. It's a lot going on. And um, my father proceeded to get up off the ground, and that's when he shot him. We were trying to figure out why would you shoot him, and we're just looking for answers. And, and Lee, at this point, you're not only calling for the firing of that officer, but also the arrest of, of that officer. Has anyone from the police department reached out to you or to your family to explain why this officer was sent alone to a call that was about a mental health crisis? No, they uh uh, and I'm sorry, Pat. They, they instead we spoke with the uh, the prosecutor for the region. The region is Bell County. The prosecutor there is named Henry Garza, and he's responsible for prosecuting this case for issuing arrest warrants. And we've encouraged him yesterday uh, to speak with the family about the evidence that they have. Apparently, he didn't even have the video evidence that was available uh, to the media. And so we we're working with him now to make sure that he has the all the information that he needs to issue an arrest warrant for Renaldo uh, Contreras, uh, which is the I'm sorry, Contreras, which is the name of the officer, Renaldo Contreras. Yes, we believe that an arrest warrant should be issued for, for him immediately based on the probable cause evidence that's circulating the internet now. Uh, and we, and we, we, of course, want Clean PD and the city of Clean to investigate what policies and procedures uh, they have in place to deal with mental health calls. Uh, a, a call for help from a family should never result in a man being murdered on his front lawn. And Patrick, what are the next steps for you and for your family? Do you plan on pursuing any sort of legal action against the police department? Uh, absolutely. That's why we have Lee Merritt here. Um, we want to make sure this never happens to anyone else again. I have a special needs little brother, and I just, I think, like, what if it was him? You know, what if someone called off? You know the police on him and him need you know needing medical attention or mental health attention what if that was him so uh we definitely plan to pursue this and i'll actually let lee mary take care of all of that and i'm hoping you know we're able to get justice for my father because that's the main thing here is i, I never want 
stabbing anyone else. I never want them to get forgive my father because he didn't deserve this. And going forward, if you were talking about your brother. Would you ever call the police again for help? I can't say as of right now I would. You know, um, I, I don't know who I you can, can call in the event that, you know, your loved one is going through something and I like themselves um, for, for help. I, I just I don't know. I, I don't trust it. Um, so I, I personally wouldn't. We would just try to deal with the crisis, you know, the best way we would know how. But it's, it's not an option for me at this point. Right. And, and Lee, what are the options? I mean, we talk about the, the war on mental health. Talk to us a little bit about the importance of having someone who's equipped specifically to handle these types of calls to accompany perhaps police officers for the safety, not only of the officer, but also the person who's involved. And if the police department doesn't have those kinds of resources now, how should these kinds of situations be handled? And this case was a perfect example because in this case you had a good cop and a bad cop. On the first day, a good cop, a resource officer with mental health training was dispatched to the family's home the day before Patrick was murdered. He spoke to Patrick, he built up a rapport, he engaged him in a way that was not hostile or violent. It wasn't, it wasn't like your normal police officer. Uh, and he was able to get Patrick to some help. And he he went to the, Patrick went to the hospital with him voluntarily. And then the following day, um, when Patrick began to deteriorate again, the family called for additional help. Uh, and this time they got the bad cop. And, and that's what we don't need. There's policies like the George Floyd Justice and Police Act before Congress right now that says we need more resources for those good cops. We do. We need more resources for mental health workers to respond to families in crisis appropriately. We need to invest in additional money into health care resources to meet a health care crisis. 20% of Americans have undiagnosed mental health uh, conditions. And, and like he said, even in this household, this is a situation that may arise again. It's his 23-year-old little brother is, uh, is has Down syndrome, and law enforcement hasn't been taught to engage someone like his little brother or black people in the community who, like everyone else in America, suffer from mental health issues. And so we need to take a realistic approach to reforming police that necessarily requires investment in our health care system. Lee Merritt, Patrick Warren Jr., we thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for your time. Uh, that's just a sad story all around. Yeah, it's a lot to digest. Yeah, well, number one is, like we talked about before, we can't keep calling police. You can't be calling a a, a mental uh, distress officer. You can't call anyone because you don't know who's going to show up <clears throat> mm-hmm. if the cops are so bad and everything. And I hate to play Monday morning quarterback uh, of the family and everything, but if your father's going through mental distress and the cops show up, and the 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 cop did have his his taser. It wasn't a a, a bread beam of a gun. It was a taser. Now, when you step in, like hold 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 on. See, that's I didn't want to bring that up either, but that's a question mark went in my head too because they said the police officer like came back or something like that, and then the dad answered the door. Right. What's and it's doing? like right. Yeah. All the we you know. In the video, there was a lot of people outside who was trying to calm him down. And I'm like, dang, how come one of them couldn't open the door and then, like, somebody else hold him back? Right. And and the son, again, I hate playing Monday morning quarterback with this, but the son said that he was holding his, his son, right? Yeah, right. Okay, why he didn't give the son to someone else and step in? I'm assuming, other than his brother who has Down syndrome, mm-hmm. I'm assuming he was the only man in the house. So why he didn't step in and and uh, he didn't really have to step in between the cop and the and the father. He could have just grabbed the father because what is what is the father doing answering the door? Yeah, I mean I hate to ask questions like that, but it, it it's it's in your head though. I mean, and plus anybody can say, hey, if I was in that position, I would have done something different. But right, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 just sad. Well, yeah. one thing I can say is, uh, can they find another lawyer? <laughs> God knows, man. I, yo, them, they're getting rich off this. I'm telling yep. you. And, uh, and you see that uh, Ben Crump is the lawyer from the girl who got slammed on the ground. Yep. yep. He's the lawyer. Yeah, yeah, I saw that the other day, man. I'm like, yo, they, they always got a job somewhere going on. Uh huh. Especially that Crump, always trying to get some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, Jay. 
We got gorilla, gorilla, uh, uh, simping. Uh, would you call it simping? Gor- gorilla trying to trying to talk to a girl in Harlem. Oh, girl, girl got bit in the face and almost got her eye bitten out. So I have two videos here. I have the uh, the news article, and I have the the uh, another video where the the neighborhood came out to rally for the girl. Yeah, I seen that in the news. It's big news over here. Oh yeah, I forget where you you was uh, living yeah. at. A brutal attack in Harlem on a woman who was just trying to buy a bottle of wine. She says that it happened after she turned down one man's offer to pay for her. <laughs> CBS 2's Lisa Rosner exclusively with the victim. Surveillance video shows a group outside this liquor store as a woman walks in alone just before 6 p.m. Monday. The 31-year-old mother says she was buying a bottle of wine after work when two men walked in the shop on West 128th Street and St. Nicholas Avenue. She says the man in the red offered to pay. I politely declined and I said, you know, no thank you, but thank you. I could pay for it myself. And I got ready to walk out. Before I walk out, he basically said that he felt like I thought that I was better than them. The men followed her out, she says, asking what did she want to do about it? I just asked them, I said, like, you're seriously like trying to fight me? Like, I'm trying to go about my business. She says they chased her across the street, kicking her, and one man actually bit <laughs> her forehead, <laughs> leaving deep wounds. She says he tried to bite her eye out. Others kicked her. To bite me and do that, maul me the way that he did with me screaming and saying that I'm just trying to get my daughter, that, that's an animal, that's not a person. Witnesses tell me multiple people called 911. The woman was taken to NYC Health and Hospitals Harlem in stable condition. During the attack, she says her iPhone fell on the ground and when she went to grab it, he pried the phone out my hand. He's like, give me your phone. She says afterwards, someone told her to run because one of the men had done this to someone else before and could come back. Woman who has not been able to open one eye says the suspects need to be caught immediately so other people going about their day don't fall prey. In Harlem, Lisa Rosner, CBS 2 News. Savage, man. All right, now here's the here's where the neighborhood goes to the same. The neighborhood is going to the same liquor store to, sh- to show support. The search continues tonight for the men who attacked a woman after she told one of them she didn't want him to buy her a bottle of wine. Tonight, she's getting a show of support from her community, calling for justice. CBS 2's Corey James reports from Harlem. A large crowd of people stretched across 128th Street in Harlem Saturday night, many of them standing directly in front of this liquor store where a 31-year-old mother was brutally beaten Monday. The demonstration was the end of a rally that began three blocks away as women, men, and children stood on the corner speaking out against violence targeting the neighborhood. If we don't do it, who is? It's, it's our responsibility. It's our duty to protect our women and children in our community. It could have been me, my daughters, my mother, any female. The community as a whole, we all need to stick together. Earlier this week, CBS2's Lisa Rosner spoke with the woman assaulted. She says the man wearing a red parka in this surveillance video offered to pay for her wine, but she politely declined. After checking out and walking out the store, the woman says a group of men chased her across the street, then kicking her, one of them even biting her on the forehead. No matter how much I asked, you know, I'm trying to get to my daughter, please leave me alone. I said, I'll call the cops. He didn't care about that. He had one thing on his mind and that was to attack me. That's what he wanted to do. The victim's family members showed up to the rally in support of their cousin, who they say is still traumatized. People can't think that they could do what they want to do. No means no. Senseless. No reason. She didn't even know them. We need them caught. That's our main objective. And police are hoping this footage will help make that happen so that the woman who was attacked can have justice and her sense of security restored. I definitely want to see him locked up and put underneath the jail for what he did to me because I didn't deserve this. And the woman assaulted says one of the men also took off with her phone after snatching it out of her hand. Police say they have no new leads in this investigation and are asking anyone with information to contact them. In Harlem, Corey James, CBS 2 News. Well, uh, do we have to go without saying that um, it, you know it didn't happen like that? No. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I, I have my own money. There, you know it went there. You know, you know she was talking, talking back to him. Fuck you. No, you don't. Even though they, of course, you know she didn't deserve to get attacked like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but you know it, it. You know it just it didn't go how the way she was saying. Oh no, I'm sorry, sir. I'm just here to buy my liquor. 
<laughs> yeah, so, something was said and they got hit. Well, yeah, I'm not giving any excuse to them at all because, yeah. you, know, you know, one thing I got to say is we need to learn how to just accept rejection, bro. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. Is it a generational thing or what? Generational thing. Because if a woman says no, all right, on to the next one. And well, that okay, that and another and another thing is what we were just talking about. These women today are like highly aggressive. They'll mm-hmm. they'll talk to you like a man. So once when they get treated like a man, then they play victim. Again, again, everyone that's listening, no, she didn't deserve. She didn't deserve to get bite in the damn forehead, and a guy tried to bite her damn eye out. But still, when you out here in the streets, you have to learn to act accordingly. You have to learn to act accordingly. You don't have to uh, be aggressive to every guy you meet because you're going to get aggressive with the wrong person and things like this happen. And people so, are crazy. Exactly. So you, when you're out here on the streets, you just have to l- l- know how to act accordingly. You don't – the women got this nature that whereas though they, they want to talk to you like a guy and like you're going to sit around and fight me. So if, if I get aggressive with you, then I'm the, I'm, I'm the uh, predator. Again, everybody, no, she don't deserve to be deserve what happened to her. She only have deserve, a whole bunch of dudes follow her like that, like outside. Yeah, the that, yeah, like, that's just what I was about to say. That was corny. That's beyond it's, corny. It's like four fucking guys was like on on her, chasing her across the street and all that shit. That's that's uncalled for, and they should be court. Well, everybody know who they are because they, they do. That's, the area all that's the exactly what I was saying. Somebody knows something. They know who he is. Right. They know exactly who he is. The, those were some good pictures. Good pictures. Mm-hmm. They're a great camera on that. Queen. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and that, them same people hanging around that damn story every day. Mm-hmm. And another, th- another thing I like to say, all our black people, when you wear your mask, cover your nose. Don't have your nose exposed. Don't have your mouth covered and your nose exposed because whatever virus out there, you done sucked it in your nose. So what the <laughs> hell? You, you might as well not even have one. Uh, uh, Why'd you say that? You ain't <laughs> see the two ladies? Oh, I knew he was going to say something. I saw it. No, you got to go back. I knew he was going to say something. Because I was thinking the same thing, too. I just didn't want to say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, oh, it's funny because I... Uh, uh, Berlin. Well, Berlin is rather, rather. It's in New Jersey, but this is the uh, South Side. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <clears throat> I, I guess that would be South Side. I don't think that would be Central because it, it's not that far from here. So they, uh, it's a farmers market, Berlin, and Berlin, New Jersey's farmers market. Mm-hmm. And the uh, one of the stores had a sign, you know, please, please come in with your face mask. And it, on the bottom of it, it said, please, when you have your face mask on. Please have your nose covered. Mm-hmm. If you don't have it covered, you're not coming in. I wanted to take a picture of it so bad because you see people walking around like that all the time. Yeah. Which defeats the purpose of wearing a mask. Exactly. Uh, do, do Have you heard about the um, Musa Kamala shooting shooting his mom because uh, she told she him, told him to get a job? job. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was hot in the news. Which I felt bad, though. It's like this... Yeah, they they from Africa. She got eight kids, right? I think she had eight kids. So, you know, the whole... Well, this is according to her brother who was on the news. You know, the whole thing was is that, you know, this is the classic immigrant story of you coming to the USA trying to fed, find a better life for your kids. That's what he said. And, right. yeah, he tells him to get a job, argument, shoots her in the head. How do you get from point A to point B? Well, here's it's also this also happened in Harlem, and here's the video that uh, Jay just mentioned. Well, the mother of a 22-year-old man told him to get a job so he could take care of himself. Her son's response: he shot her dead. That's according to police and the victim's brother. News for Gabby Acevedo is live outside the scene in East Harlem now, and he talked. Now, what is he doing in that picture? There is he uh, sticking like his middle a, finger up. That's what it looked like. Okay, so they couldn't find any other picture of him? Uh, mm-hmm. They got to find the worst. <laughs> All right, here we go. Distraught family members about this. Gabby. Adam, your description, although tragic, is precise. Police say that 22-year-old Musa Kamara shot his own mother in the head. Damn, New York reporters, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I ain't mad at you, bro. I ain't mad. <laughs> 
family members told us that the mother and her son had recently been arguing, as you mentioned, Adam, over him getting a job. The victim's brother, the uncle, wants no mercy for his nephew. Family and friends huddled in grief at Lehman Village houses. Fatumata Denson was a mother of eight. Police say one of her children. Boy, he got, I give it to him. He got over uh, with that word, uh, mm -hmm. her name. <laughs> Musa Kamara shot and killed her around nine this morning. The uncle wants justice. I want him to go the rest of his life in prison. <laughs> Denson arrived in New York City more than 25 years ago. Lovely sister. She don't have no, she kind to the entire family. Let's say kind to everybody. She always smile and laugh. Today, she was found dead in her 15th floor apartment. According to witnesses, Musa Kamara shot her in the head and ran away. Citizen A video shows the moment police arrested him on 108th Street and Madison Avenue. He got arrested uh, with the with the weapon. Uh, I don't know the, the, the size of what kind of weapon it is, but he got arrested with the weapon. Family members say Fatumata had recently pressed her son to find a job, and on several occasions things got heated. A grieving brother now lamenting the untimely death of his little sister says he will never forgive his troubled nephew. Come and look for a better life, and she got killed by her own son, which is uh, Musa Kamara. My nephew, I want him to go live in prison. No mercy for him. Police say that Kamara was taken to a hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. We are still awaiting word on charges. Reporting live from East Harlem, Gabby Acevedo, News 4 New York. Oh, just awful, Gabby. Thank you. Shout out to Gabby Acevedo. <clears throat> you know, I'm surprised they took him in for a psychiatric evaluation. Yeah, well, you know, there's something going on there. Something mm -hmm. ain't right there. Because, like, mm -hmm. you, it pretty much what you said, it ain't, it ain't, uh, Oh, you need to find your job, and you just kill your mother. Yeah, it's something. It's something more to it. Mm -hmm. And and he's 22 years old. Also, that's prime age for when mental problems ar arise. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, sad story. Harlem is hot, man. What's up with Harlem? So, uh, Florida in the house. We go on from New York to Florida. Gotta have a Florida story. <laughs> yeah, Florida in the house. <laughs> uh, my homegirls, Jamika McDowell and Rashana Poole. Two Tampa Bay women facing charges on impersonating law enforcement officers. Here's the video. We have reason to believe that this isn't the first time these two women have stopped vehicles pretending to be a Sarasota police officer. Two women are behind bars this morning. This after police say they pulled a fake traffic stop in Sarasota. Jamika McDowell and Rashina Poole in the Sarasota County Jail, accused of impersonating police officers. ABC7's Daniela Hurtado tells us how officers caught up with the pair of pretenders. Have you ever want to exit the <laughs> This Facebook Live is now a critical part of police evidence. <laughs> Black lives don't Matter. They tell us one of the suspects, Jamaica McDowell, is heard loud and clear. They said derogatory and vulgar things to the driver as well as the passengers. Anybody move, I <laughs> We're told the suspects mm. didn't victims, but there are claims on social media saying that's not the case. Based on our interviews so far, we have reason to believe that this isn't the first time these two women have stopped vehicles pretending. Of to course not. No. That's just the start of it. People on social media now asking how they can trust they're being stopped by an actual officer. You can always call dispatch to confirm. Well, when the officer say don't put your fucking hands up, <laughs> that, that that's a cop. <laughs> Stop is legit. We will shoot. The case now under and we will shoot on a loudspeaker like that. Like right. <laughs> Investigation. McDowell and Rashana Poole now await their day in court to explain their side. There's nothing to explain. Right. Reporting. Also this morning, a New York. <laughs> Yo, you know when you when you gave me that link, I didn't respond because I didn't know how to respond. <laughs> so we got a 28 year old and a 39 year old at night in person playing around. I don't think they would really. Per well, they have sirens and everything. I guess they would. Say that they're a person in the cops. They never, yeah, they, term, but they were, they, they were joking around. They were messing it, around. Yeah, to, to, to try to get some internet fame or some shit like mm -hmm. that.
But a 29, a 28 year old and a 39 year old, nine times out of 10, they got children. They couldn't find anything else to fuck to do. Clout chasing. That's what they call it. Yep. That's all. I don't, uh, well, would you say it's bad or? Is what bad? Clout chasing or what they did? did. What? How is that any good? I mean, bad is where it's (laughs) though. They need to, you know what I mean? Like they need to go to jail or be punished and all that shit. I don't know. They need something because. (laughs) <laughs> Yo, I didn't know how to respond. You gave me that, and I just stared at the phone for a minute. I was like, what did I just see? <laughs> like, all this stuff with cops, and you're impersonating a cop? Like, Right. And I wonder if they did that to somebody that, that is uh, is hot, and they mm-hmm. jump out the car, and they start shooting at them because they think they the police. That would have been it. That been exactly. It. <laughs> Black lives don't matter. That's what she said. F- Florida in the house, it always gets you. Florida in houses, like you said, is always going to be a Florida story. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't send you this one, but uh, let me read this uh, to you real quick. Uh, it's kind of long. I'll just read a couple of paragraphs. Judge hand down prison sentence to ex Bedford High School teacher who sexually assaulted two students. Cleveland, Ohio. A judge Thursday sentenced former Bedford High School teacher who pleaded guilty to sexually abusing two students to two years in prison. Laura Duncan will spend five years after her release from prison on post-release control and will be to required to register as a sex offender every 90 days for the rest of her life. Goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. Common Police Court Judge Joseph Russo imposed a sentence during a Thursday afternoon court hearing. The teachers are expected to be world models to their students and communities with which they serve. Kahuna County Prosecutor Michael O'Malley said in a statement after the hearing, she took advantage of the students and now she must face the consequences. Duncan pleaded guilty in November to two counts of sexually battery as part of her plea, garden, plea bargain that saw prosecutors drop additional four counts of sexually battery and tempering evidence charge. She, she faced a maximum sentence of 10 years in prison. Police arrested Duncan in December 2009, about a month after an assistant principal school <laughs> alerted officers to accusations against Duncan, according to court records. Officers showed up with a search warrant at her house in Akron, and Duncan said she knew what they were there for and invited them inside. Well, damn. Court records do not reveal the boy's age. The boy's age. Duncan also says she deleted numerous items from her cell phone after she learned of the investigation. <laughs> she said, oh, no, I got to get the hell out of here. OK, now keep in mind, this is this is an Ohio Bedford High School. Now, listen to this report. OK, that's a woman. Bedford High School. Mm-hmm. Listen to this report. Also this evening, a local high school football coach has been indicted on charges that he had sex with a student. There are new developments tonight in the case of Bedford coach Sean Williams. Ray Strickland spoke with angry parents and also has reaction from the school district. A football coach and a leader of young men, a teacher and a role model for children. But police say Sean Williams' actions with a 16-year-old Bedford High student prove he hasn't been either one of those things. An investigation into the 43-year-old Williams concluded there had been, quote, inappropriate sexual activity between him and a 16-year-old girl. That's awful, and I think something should be done about it. That's terrible. Bedford police first got wind of these allegations in October. The school district ended up placing Williams on administrative leave until a police investigation was complete. Four months later, Williams has been indicted facing several felony charges, including sexual battery and unlawful sexual conduct with a minor. Parents weren't too happy to hear the news. If this 16-year-old girl was your kid, how would you feel? I'd be in jail. I don't play them games. That's just something that's not okay. You know, you don't do that. You're an adult, she's a minor, and that's not something you do. The district is calling the situation disturbing and says their primary concern is the victim as they continue to cooperate with police. In the meantime, this parent says it's always been hard to trust anyone around her children. These charges are making it even harder. We're putting our children in your hands for the few hours that they're in school, and this is what happens. You know, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. 
and evidence of a hotel key and a Tiffany's receipt are among the several items. Uh, <laughs> the district says Williams is still on administrative leave. Now, we tried to get in contact with Williams. We visited his house to see if he could comment on the story, but no one came to his door. Yeah, what's he going to say? Right. Okay, comes so, so that was in 2018. So 2018, this dude did it. And 2019, well, he was arrested, not did yeah. it. In 2019, the lady was uh, the lady was uh, arrested. She just got sentenced, uh, I guess, uh, earlier this week. Now, a judge on Monday sentenced a former NFL player turned Bedford High School teacher and varsity football coach to six years in prison for sexually harassing, sexually abusing a 15 year old girl. So he gets six years and she gets two. And then, you know, she's only going to probably do about a year and a half. Mm hmm. Now at same high school, they probably was doing was doing it uh, in the same, right at the same time. So why the hell he get more than she do? I'm more confused as to what's going on at that high school. That's neither <laughs> here nor there. We knew that we we knew what it was. We knew she was gonna get off like yeah. way easier than he would. That's always the case. Well, the reason why we see an arrest incidents like this, especially the women of uh, uh, molesting, I guess you can call it molesting molesting young boys is because nowadays we all on the same maturity plane think about it like your parents your parents didn't didn't have the same maturity plane as a 15 year old back in those days mm -hmm. now we do we listen to the same listen we listen to the same music mm -hmm. we play the same video games mm -hmm. what's the difference we all on youtube facebook instagramming tweeting we all doing the same thing snapchat we mm -hmm. all doing the same thing. So they got a lot in common with each other. I hate to say it, but it's true. Hey, like, hey, hey did you listen to that uh, uh, 21 Savage album? Yeah, that's on the site. See, like, uh, as a teacher, from a teaching perspective, you're, like, you're supposed to find ways to, like, go halfway, meet halfway with the students. Right. As far as, like, you know figuring out what their interests are and having them engage in class. Cause I mean, like I'm about to work at a middle school. All this stuff is disgusting to me. Like this nasty, like, <laughs> ugh. um, for real. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's like, yeah, as a teacher, you're supposed to meet them halfway, but you're not supposed to be halfway with them. Right. There's boundaries and stuff that's supposed to be set. God knows. What can you do with, I'm sorry. <laughs> My bad. But what can you do with a 15 and 16 year? I'm 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 35. I'm almost 36. That dude was in his four. Like, how? Uh, again, they on a they on the same maturity plane. They on the same, they listen to Nicki Minaj. I'm say 2018, so I'm, I'm gonna say uh, Nicki Minaj, Cardi B. Cardi they B, all yeah. on the same, they all on the same maturity plane. So they got a lot in common. Remember how when you was little and when you saw somebody that was that was like even when if you like 12 and like your cousin or something was like 17, 18, they mm -hmm. were like so mature and so advanced. Mm -hmm. And it's like you two didn't have anything in common. Mm -hmm. But now you got a 44 year old man and a 15 year old girl. They got a lot of common now. I think it's just the way it is. That's why I, we, that's why we see it so common um, among uh female teachers and young boys yeah i agree i totally agree dude that but i it's just not for me to understand and it's a great thing that i don't understand it i'll leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> now uh Kristen gray now can we say that she's uh can we put her in in our uh our street entrepreneurs <laughs> oh, hey hey she's smart <laughs> i will give her that that's that's a smart hustle uh well here, here's a little short here's just a little short video of the digital nomad an american who calls herself a digital nomad is being deported from indonesia after her tweets sparked a social media backlash alleging a lack of cultural awareness and apparent western privilege mm -hmm. Kristen gray described the island of bali as quote lgbt friendly they're good looking too her her and her girlfriend even though the LGBT community in Indonesia, a Muslim-majority country, has faced discrimination and a lack of acceptance for years, and sometimes violence. 
In a series of tweets at the weekend, Gray wrote about the perks of her life on the tropical island with her girlfriend. The island has been amazing because of our elevated lifestyle at a much lower cost of living, she wrote, showing a picture of her light-filled $400 treehouse. <laughs> Being a digital nomad is everything. That sparked a social media backlash. And Bali's law and human rights ministry said Gray might have violated immigration laws by suggesting Bali was queer-friendly, easily accessible during the pandemic, and by conducting business through the sale of her e-book. Gray denied the allegations. Hi everyone. Uh, first off, I am not guilty. I have not overstayed my visa. I have not made money in Indonesian rupiah in Indonesia. I put out a statement about LGBT and I'm being deported because of LGBT. Also, no, she's fury. No, exactly. Foreign nationals could enter Indonesia during the pandemic. In an e-book entitled Our Bali Life is Yours. Indonesia has banned the entry of all foreigners except diplomats and those with existing work or residency permits to try to stem the spread of the virus. With its laid-back lifestyle, unique culture and low cost of living compared to Western countries, Bali has long attracted those hoping to avoid the slog of the city commute and the rush hour. Gray's lawyer told Reuters she had a social cultural visa that was valid until January 24th. <laughs> oh girl, I don't know if we, I, I think I might want to put her in the uh, street entrepreneurs but all that she getting deported because she's gay is no uh, <laughs> she has imparted my my uh, I guess wokeness whatever they call it these days but she has a very western colonizer type of mind when it comes to that and why you say that just because I've seen it when I was over in Korea and all these other places in Asia, too, how people go to certain places. And um, I mean, it kind of is the fault of the countries, too, because they want, you know, the, the, the American dollars for tourism. They go a little bit too far with hospitality as far mm -hmm. as inviting people in. But um, there's been plenty. I've, I used to see that a lot where people would totally take advantage of it, disrespect the culture and all that other stuff, make money from it, you know. And then when something bad happens to them, they find some excuse that has nothing to do with the situation at all. And she sold an ebook for $30, including direct links to our visa agents and how to get into Indonesia during COVID. She's smart. <laughs> the, Real smart. That's the, hey. The game Any is class. sold. The game is sold, not told. <laughs> she makes the list, man. What do you call it? The uh the street entrepreneur list. Yeah, she 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 she's near if she ain't that she if she's not at the top. She's close. She it, went it, overseas. She international. You seen how they looked, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're they're good looking. Both of them are, are very pretty. Mm -hmm. They almost they almost kind of look alike too, which is kind of weird that they girlfriends. Mm -hmm. But that's funny. Like, mm -hmm. oh no, you. <laughs> and then she tried to say that she didn't make money, but you made money. You did plenty of it. Yep. Talking about it's because of LGBT. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> If, and finally, <clears throat> we got to have music talk. So uh, Hip Hop DX did a, a, a album, album, songs, and uh, artists of the year. And I want your take on them. All right, best rappers of 2020. Dares were Benny the Butcher, Freddie Gibbs, Little Baby, Megan Thee Stallion, and Pop Smoke. Personally, Pop Smoke shouldn't belong on this list, but I get it. Yeah. So who would you uh, pick? That's a hard list. That's a really hard list. But this this was the baby's year, though, right? Or was um, that last year? That's what I'm. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of iffy about. Um, that's a hard list, man. And uh, the uh, their favorites, their favorite artists are Benny the Butcher, Freddie Gibbs, Megan Thee Stallion, Pop Smoke, the people who were nominated, Westside mm -hmm. Gun, Black Thought, Royce the Five Nine. Had a good year this year. Mm -hmm. I don't know when sales. I, I if they counting that, I'm not sure. Uh, Conway the Machine, who had a great year too. Mm -hmm. Killer Mike, and Killer Mike is the last one. I oh, don't know because they had a uh, was uh, that came out. Yeah, that came out 2020, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So out of them, who would you pick? Put me on a spot. Because <laughs> I don't want to be. I don't want to be biased. Because personally, I like Benny the Butcher. The mm -hmm. well, yeah, I like him. Like. 
about a hair or two over Freddie Gibbs. Um, I I don't know. West Westside Gun he released like two albums last last year for 2020. I'll just say 2020. Yes. And I only like really one of them. I really don't think he should be on that list. Dare uh Dare uh Shady was that 2019 when a Shady Shady uh yeah released? I think that was 2019 I think oh, okay because yeah he he released two albums I think I think it was one and then the second was an album or a mixtape I don't really remember I'm trying to think because Benny the Butcher just did um what did Benny the Butcher Butcher do he did like a, an EP right an EP and an album yes. And I think out of them all, Conway released the most of, for 2020. Mm-hmm. Like, I lost track of what he was released. He put out, like, too much for me. I'm still kind of <laughs> catching up. So, uh, their favorite 2020 best hip-hop albums. Alfredo, Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist, My Turn, mm-hmm. Little Baby, Rip the Jacker 4, Run the Jewels. Uh, I said Rip the Jacker. <laughs> Run the Jewels. <laughs> Run the Jewels 4 by Run the Jewels. Set, uh, Rip the Jacker is a cannabis thing, everyone. If yeah. uh, Savage Mode 2, 21 Savage and Metro Boomin, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, Pop sm- Smoke. Which one would you pick? Say say the list again one more time. Alfredo, uh-huh. Freddie Gibbs, mm-hmm. My Turn, Little Baby, Run the Jewels 4, Run the Jewels, Savage Mode 2, 21 Savage, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, Pop Smoke. See, I'm a bad person to, to ask this to because I'm biased towards Gibbs. I didn't think you would pick that. I, I heard Run the Jewels is cool, but I, I really couldn't get into the album that that much. Uh, you know what? I didn't listen to Twenty Savage his his album, but it's I actually, heard it, it's actually not bad. All right, I heard I mean, the baby's album. If you like that sort of thing, I mean, yeah. You know. No, he's a good artist. He's a good artist. I just haven't gotten into it. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm too biased for the for, for them sort of. I mean, honestly, like I'm a big jazz head too, so I like a lot of the stuff I listen to mostly wasn't even on that list. So, but um, yeah, I'm 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 biased. Okay, so I would have picked Freddie Gibbs also, and mm-hmm. I agree with you on run the run the jewels. I just thought it was okay. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, well, I'm gonna listen to anything Killer Mike because he's not a uh, LP is cool. Well, they both good. Yeah. So. So, uh, but I just thought that Run of Jewels was was okay. It didn't like wow me anything. I'm surprised that it's on these uh, best hip hop lists. To be honest with you, because it, it, it COVID or is it just because? Because I mean, like, were there were there that that many top quality hip hop albums out in 2020 though? I mean, if you really really think about it, like, I, I'm not I'm not saying there wasn't. I'm I'm asking you on your opinion. Well, they have a list of their favorites, and and we can talk about that because some of the some of those albums I would replace uh, Runner Jewels with. So they have their favorites. They have the Allegory, Worst of Five Nine, mm-hmm. Circles, Mac Miller, P PTSD, G Herbo, a written testimony, J Electronica. Which what the hell was you thinking? Pray for Paris, Red Side Gun, The Goat, Polo G. Limbo and, and me. How do you pronounce it? I don't know. <laughs> From King to a God, Conway the Machine, mm-hmm. Burn Burn the Proof, Benny the Butcher. Please excuse me for being antisocial, Roddy Rich. Mm-hmm. Extinction level event two, the wrath of God, Buster Rhymes. Mm-hmm. King's disease, Nas. Music to be murdered by Eminem. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlocked Denzel Curry and Kenny Beats. That was a sleeper. Uh, Kenny Beats is that's the guy that did that. Um, I have depression. Uh, yeah, I got that depression rap. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I thought he was no Kenny Beats is the producer, right? Yeah, not he's the, a producer, oh, okay. not not the rapper. Yeah, he okay, made the I'm beats. sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. The price of tea in China. The price of tea in China. Bowie James and Alchemist. I'm surprised that's on people's list. That was the last one. Uh, so how was Denzel Curry and Kenny, Kenny Beats unlocked the album? I like I like Denzel. Curry. Did I put him on the slept on? I don't think I put him on the slept on list, but he should be on the the slept on um rapper list that we that we that we do every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they, well, I check it out because I like that. Uh, I got depression beat 
<laughs> yeah. Um, nah, Denzel Curry is a rapper. He he's good. He's like one of those new younger guys who's like super talented. I don't think he gets enough coverage though. What about music to be murdered by? Uh, the Eminem joint. Yeah. What you think? That's a no to you? Not like. You know how I feel about Eminem. Like, <laughs> this is how most people, I say most people who are like really into music itself, not being an Eminem fan, there's always say the dude can rap, but he t- stop singing, stop with them beats, and actually go back to making songs. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? What I can't understand, I don't understand how come these old rappers, these, oh, not say old, but older rappers, they don't just get like one producer and just rap. I think with him, because he, he knows, he knows what his fans like. So I think he appeals to it more. Like you, like you said, uh, it just stop with those, that singing chorus crap, uh, relax with them beats that he producing. Is he still producing those beats too? I don't know, but you know what? I think his fans like that singing thing though. Mm-hmm. Like that, like there's a difference between an Eminem fan and a person who generally grew up on, you know, rap music or you know whatever you want to call it. Right. And if you're an Eminem fan, you're going to like whatever he does, no matter what. So, what do you think about the Nas album? Well, I don't know if I said this on the show, but I'm kind of done with Nas, man. Why? <laughs> to me, he don't got anything interesting to say anymore. He's like he has it, but. He has it as far as rapping, you know, ability, but his albums just don't go anywhere for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I like a couple of songs from it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to hear a full project from him. No, the, the thing with Nas should do, Nas should either do a joint album with AZ, a AZ and Nas joint album with just one producer producing everything. It's way overdue. Or do a, a, a firm album with Cormaker. Mm-hmm. Now, people would be hyped up at that one. We're just also with just uh, one or a couple of producers. What's his, what's his name? Hit Boy did the, uh, the beast yes. part, right? Yes. So is that him trying to stay relevant to the younger generation or what? That's what I mean. Like, why are you getting these 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 guys when there's a whole bunch of... The, the, a Nas album is going to do what it do. No young boy is, going, no young boy is not going to buy a, a Nas album just because Hit Boy produced it. Mm-hmm. It's going to do what it do, what it does. So that's why I say get like large professor, DJ Premier, and just just rap. Mm-hmm. The last Nas album I full I, I I still have is what was that joint he did? Uh, Life's good. That's it. Yeah, that's the last one. I that that's like like damn near ten years old. Right. And Jay Electronica shouldn't be on no best uh, nope. album. <laughs> Hell no, that's a Jay Z album featuring Jay Electronica. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Z wanted to do another album, and mm-hmm. they just got Jay Electronica to just add in on to it. And so a few it, leftover songs that like from the past. Because right. uh, was it Shiny Suit Theory is old. That's an old mm-hmm. joint. Right. So so that way, if the album don't do what it's about, the album doesn't sell a lot. Well, no, it ain't a Jay Z album. That's Jay Electronica's <laughs> album. But like you said, it's pretty much a Jay Z album. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying it in a bad way or anything. It's okay, but a, a best best rap album of 2020, no. And just for it being uh, Jay Electronica's name attached to it, right? It's it doesn't hold up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, is at the end of the end of the end of the episode. What's your social media? As always, say, don't worry about my social media. Stay safe. Stay out of the snow. Be warm. Uh, was it wash? You, you said that last time. Wash your hands and all that stuff. Right. And when you put <laughs> your face mask, when you wear a face mask, cover your nose also. Cover the nose. Because <laughs> you're going to suck in the coronavirus throughout through your nose. Uh. <laughs> and uh, you can reach us on Twitter and Facebook at PNL Judgmentals. Instagram at the two underscores judgmentals. Uh, send, up, send us an email, pnljudgmentals at gmail.com. And we have a YouTube page, so search PNL Judgmentals on YouTube. It's uh, uh, episodes on there, some episodes. And we also did something with the uh, sneakers episode. Um, did I have a, I showed you the YouTube Yeah, link, you right? showed me that one. Yeah, I okay. saw that one. Yeah. Where, where so the sneakers that we're talking about is actually, we're actually showing what, mm-hmm. what the sneakers are. 
So I appreciate you joining us, Jay. Oh, that's cool. Can't share this on deck. <laughs> and we'll we'll do a, a musical episode sometime soon. I don't I don't know. I might try to get your brother uh a brother to do a couple of stories. Yeah, he'd be, it'd be interesting to hear what he'd have to say. I'm pretty sure most of his stories are going to be from college because he got some wild uh, college stories. <laughs> well, all right, everybody. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Uh, uh. Hey, yo, man, it's your time. time. And fuck poverty. Get this money, man. I can tell you're mad at me just by how your face look. You can check the status on my level, not my Facebook. Comments on my photos, that's why I stay on the low low. Most of y'all is associates, so I be on my dolo. Hold up, whoop that whoa, hold the phone. You think all I do is rap? I can do it.